Hey y'all, welcome back as we continue through the book of Hosea and we are on chapter 10 of the amazing prophetic book of God's unfailing love, but how he will not tolerate sin and disobedience and judgment does come when we refuse God. We have to face the consequences of our sins on our own accord. And in verse one of chapter 10, we'll continue how prosperous Israel is. A luxuriant vine loaded with fruit, but the richer the people get, the more pagan altars they build, the more bountiful their harvests, the more beautiful their sacred pillars. The hearts of the people are fickle. They are guilty and must be punished. The Lord will break down their altars and smash their sacred pillars. Then they will say, we have no king because we didn't fear the, the Lord. But even if we had a king, what could he do for us anyway? They spout empty words and make covenants they don't intend to keep. So injustice springs up among them like poisonous weeds in a farmer's field. The people of Samaria tremble in fear for their calf idol at beth and they mourn for it. Though its priests rejoice over it, its glory will be stripped away. This idol will be carted away to Assyria, a gift to the great king there. Ephraim will be ridiculed and Israel will be shamed because its people have trusted in this idol. Samaria and its king will be cut off. They will float away like driftwood on an ocean wave. And the pagan shrines of Avon, the place of Israel's sin, will crumble. Thorns and thistles will grow up around their altars. They will beg the mountains, bury us, and plead with the hills, fall on us. The Lord says, O Israel, ever since Gibeah there has been only sin and more sin. You have made no progress whatsoever. What is not right that was it not right that the wicked men of Gibeah were attacked? Now, whenever it fits my plan, I will attack you too. I will call out the armies of the nations to punish you for your multiplied sins. Israel is like a trained heifer treading out the grain, an easy job she loves, but I will put a heavy yoke on her tender neck. I will force Judah to pull the plow and Israel to break up the hard ground. I said, plant the good seeds of righteousness and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a thriving crop of sins. You have eaten the fruit of lies, trusting in your military might, believing that great armies could make your nation safe. Now the terrors of war will rise among your people. All your fortifications will fall, just as when Shalman was destroyed at Beth Arbel. Even mothers and children were dashed to death there. You will share the fate, that fate, Bethel. Because of your great wickedness, when the day of judgment dawns, the king of Israel will be completely destroyed. So Assyria is coming in and taking over and destroying the land because they refuse to turn to God and they refuse to repent. And their sins are so bad. He compares them again to Gibeah, which is where the the lust and greed and evil and wickedness killed an innocent woman in a horrible episode. And 
the offenders would not be punished by the city. And it, it almost destroyed an entire tribe of Israel. It was so, so evil. And he compares their sins to that type of evil, the total corrupt evil. And in 722, the Assyrian army did invade the land and the 10 tribes of nation vanished from the pages of history. And even today, only God knows who is from which tribe because all records were completely lost in the destruction. And with that, we'll continue on to chapter 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt. But the more I called to him, the further he moved from me, offering sacrifices to the image of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel how to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't know or even care that it was I who took care of him. And again, he even in the previous chapter, we saw he desperately wants his people to turn and repent so he can pour out to, for them to seek the Lord, so he can pour out righteousness and love and, and blessings on their lives. But they refuse. And he reminds them, look, I'm the one who took care of you. I'm the one that brought you up. From the, from the very beginning, God formed this nation and Moses led them out of Egypt with, with power and might and by the hand of God. And God has done everything for them, leading them by the hand. And they don't even care. They still refuse to turn to him, to return his love and obey God's will for their lives. And this is a very personal, personal intimate, fatherly image of God in verse 4. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. But since my people refused to return to me, they return, They continue to return to Egypt, and I will be forced to serve Assyria. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. So here he turns and he compares it to a farmer where he bends down and stoops down and feeds them and teaches them to walk and takes care of them and tending to their needs because he loves them so greatly and he leads them on the righteous path and they still refuse and and war is coming they refuse they refuse to listen and and heed his tender leading and guiding and they rebel against their father and return to idols once again they, they want to enjoy the gifts, but they don't want anything to do with the giver. They want all the blessings, but they don't want to turn to the God that's giving them. And with that, we'll continue on here in the rest. Well, actually, we're on verse six. So I'll reread the beginning. War will swirl through their cities. Their enemies will crash through their gates. They will destroy them, trapping them for their own evil plans. For my people are determined to desert me. They will call me most high, but they don't truly honor me. So again, he's saying, look, y'all, they, they complain when they should have been praying and giving thanks to God for his almighty mercies. And we have the heart of God and his love for his people. And he desperately wants to pour out his blessings and forgiveness, but they don't turn. They don't ask. They don't reach up to God. And the only time they call on God was when they're in trouble. And God has been continually helping them graciously. But now it's time for judgment. It's time for tough love. In verse 8, Oh, how I, 
how can I give you up, Israel? How can I let you go? How can I destroy you like Adma or demolish you like Zeboim? My heart is torn within me and my compassion overflows. No, I will not unleash my fierce anger. I will not completely destroy Israel, for I am God and not a mere mortal. I am the Holy Living the Holy One living among you, and I will not come to destroy. For some day the people will follow me. I, the Lord, will roar like a lion, and when I roar, my people will return, trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt, trembling like doves. They will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. So he's like, look, they will come home again. They will return. And he shows again his heartfelt love. And he says there's a faithful remnant. He will spare the faithful remnant. There's a future hope. And there's future language here. And the trumpet sounding. And the future gathering. And the remnant that will remain. And Jesus is returning. And he will gather his remnant. And he will gather all of us who bow and submit to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. God is not done with Israel and God is not done with those who choose Jesus as their Lord and Savior and are grafted in. We are adopted in as his children. Jesus died for all of us and we were all sinners. And Jesus died so that we could be set free, so that we could be restored in return. And this again speaks of the future coming return, the millennial gathering when the remnant is gathered into the arms of God and we we celebrate and we'll have the banquet table and it'll be amazing and beautiful. And God's covenant with Abraham is unconditional and will not change. The nation of Israel is preserved, but his covenant with Israel at Sinai had conditions attached that if the people failed to meet the conditions, if they failed to obey God, God was obligated to withdraw his blessings of the land. And Israel's possession of the land and its blessings is based on the Abrahamic covenant. They will possess the land, but when they enjoy the land and its blessing is based on the Mosaic Sinai covenant, and it depends on their obedience and submission to God. God is faithful in both covenants. He preserved the nation and he brings judgment for sin, but he is not done. They will inherit the land when they return and they submit to God and they repent and turn to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They will possess the land and they will enjoy the blessings of the land. They will enjoy the blessings of God, the forgiveness, the grace, the overwhelming abundance that God wants to offer them. And Hosea looks ahead to the end times when Israel is going to be gathered from all the nations, and we will too. When we submit to Jesus, we're part of that gathering, and they'll be cleansed from their sins, and they're going to be established in a kingdom, and it'll be God's eternal kingdom. And before, God roared like a lion when he was bringing forth the judgment, but in the future, his roar will call his people back to their land, and it'll call for everyone to be gathered together, and we will celebrate and rejoice with our coming King, our Messiah, our Lord and Savior, and he will he, he will rule and he will reign and and we will be delightful and, and righteous and pure and restored and cleansed and we will get to enjoy the eternal kingdom with our Lord and Savior for all eternity. Thanks, y'all. I hope you're having a great day.